God, I could listen to that all day. Hi, Jess. Happy Friday. Hi, Jason. Thank you. Did you, for like, my, did you like my did you like my DJing? I don't know if you noticed the go live and that when the song actually started, that they were actually synced perfectly somehow. I know. I'm very impressed. That's the only thing I've been able to freaking do all day long. Well, just for the record. So <laughs> at least I've got one thing down. Oh, Bob, I'm so jealous you went to Chris Cornell's tribute concert. Chris Cornell is one of my favorite artists, hands down. His voice is absolutely incredible. I So yesterday was a rainy fall day in Minneapolis, Jason, as you know, because you're- Well, what do you, what, what, what's today? What, today is the same? Oh, today is much better. No. <laughs> Hi, Madonna. And I literally binged Chris Cornell all day yesterday, and that song in particular, I'll admit. So thank it's you. It's always that. fascinating when you get a text in the middle of the day saying, I've just binged uh, th this music all day. That's going to be our song. I was like, oh, cool. I love that. <laughs> so happy Friday, everyone. Thank you for being here. It's Friday, October 27th, 2023. Uh, and I just have to say that in a world that's messed up, in lots of ways. It's so nice that you guys are all joining us. And Jess, it's so great to see your shining face. Um, you know, I my heart goes out to all of the problems. Our heart goes out to all the problems going on with the wars, as well as some of the stuff that happened in Maine this week. Um, continue to have these uh, things that we talk about and deal with in our now of work and um, and now of life. For those of you new, please let us know that you're new. Um, I appreciate it. Uh, we have some ladies. There's not ladies, late ease. <laughs> um, whereas people are popping on late for uh, for whatever reason. It must be a busy day for a lot of people. But uh, thanks for uh, thanks so much for joining. I see we've got three thousand three hundred and ninety one. Uh, so uh, wow. that keeps uh, keeps growing. Uh, so for those of you that haven't been here before, welcome. We do this every Friday. Um, we've been we try to be together every Friday. I mean, not physically together. We're really almost never physically together, but um, together as one. Um, last Friday, I was in uh, Oregon uh, visiting my son as part of, uh, some of you know, he goes to school at University of Oregon. So it was great to see him. Jess, I have to tell you, I listened to you and David, and uh, David's accent is so much better than mine. <laughs> I, I, if you can listen to Chris Cornell all day, I can listen to David Green all day. <laughs> yeah. So um, it was great listening to those, uh, great listening to you guys, and what a great, uh, great show you had uh, had last Friday. And David, thank you for uh, sitting in uh, in my stead. Yeah, that was. I can't believe I've never like one on one with David Green before. Like, I I hope all of you took my advice and went and followed him on LinkedIn. Some of my favorite people to follow on LinkedIn are consistent 
You know what you're going to get from them. They post the same thought leadership content well and consistently. Some of it is their own. Some of it is just connecting community around, in his case, people analytics. I mean, he's just one of them. I kind of rely on him in my feed to make sure I know what's going on in that space. Uh, but it was fun. He doesn't post the same content. He posts the same type of content. Correct. Yes. yes exactly. <laughs> Uh, so just to, just so you know, um, so, uh, I found y'all because of Catherine Frankson being on with y'all. And I finally met her in person this week at money 2020. Mm -hmm. Oh, Megan, that's great. Awesome. I saw that Megan. I saw your picture with her and I saw, if you guys remember, Catherine Frankson is one of the best event marketing people in the world. And she happens to work for money 2020 and just executed one of their biggest shows we talk a lot about storytelling and community and learning from each other and creating momentum in a space, whatever your space happens to be. Catherine is one of the genius like executioners around creating community and, and particularly around an event. I was so, I love it when I see her event posts because I know she just did one of the biggest things in her career. Uh, that looked incredible, Megan. They happen to be all about revolutionary, you know, sort of fintech and, and that kind of thing. There's a lot going on in that space as well. So Megan, thank you for being here. So once again, for those of you new, please let us know you're new. For those of you not new, we always start with the same thing every week, uh, which I think is the most important question you could ask another human in life, not through bots, not through uh, hopefully anything artificial or automated, but in real life or at least online in real life. How are you? And there's three answers to the question, green, yellow, red. Green, I feel great. Yellow, so-so. Red, not so good. Uh, I actually had the opportunity on Monday <laughs> of this week in Orlando to ask that question in front of 1,100 people, um, which uh, it's always funny when you show up to a, a session and you think there's going to be 50 people and there's 1,100 it just changes your mindset a little bit. Um, but uh, I had that opportunity to ask in front of 1,100 people and uh, assign unscientific or non-scientific or whatever I'm supposed to say, um, you know, it was about 85% green, which wasn't bad, you know, for a big group of people like that. It's great. So, uh, Steve, congratulations, starting a new job. Brad, a little under the weather, sorry to hear that, but it's sunny in Portland, which means it's probably sunny in Eugene where my son's at, which is good. Sharon, a tough week, but I, I had an amazing salad from your uh, establishment last night. So if that helps at all, um, uh, impacted by international events, Dorothy, thank you for sharing that. I, I hopefully heard I started with that, but I think it's impossible not to be. Um, and for the rest of the community, the reason we do this is just to share and uh, try to give each other some uh, encouragement. So um, thank you for uh, opening up and sharing. Uh, the next thing we do when we go through this fun journey with you guys every Friday is to talk about kind of one big thing, um, one big thing going on. Uh, oh, Shirsha, I have to, I love to call out new people. Like, so Shirsha, Sriram, I hope I'm saying it right, Sriram is new. Um, I am excited to join this amazing conversation. I was inspired by you at the HR Tech Conference in Vegas. We have to talk about that, by the way. We haven't, I, uh, have we talked? Oh, yeah, I think we have. We have not done this together for a few weeks. There's so oh, much. Oh, wow. That. Yeah, it's been crazy. Uh, I heard about, or I, I'm from a healthcare organization in Canada. So, Shirsha, thank you so much for being here. Um, we're going to bring you on live one of these days. 
um, we'll give you some warning. Um, but uh, so, so glad that you're here and being from a healthcare organization. Um, once again, this just, I, as I started to talk to someone earlier this week about a healthcare organization, uh, it brings tears to my eyes. Uh, I always think about my dad whenever I hear healthcare organization, just because my dad passed away from cancer probably, I don't know, 12, 15 years ago. And the people in the healthcare organization that he was, that were taking care of him were just my heroes. Mm. Um, it combined that combined with COVID and the heroes and uh, had an opportunity to see some of our, uh, one of our clients, Chris's health um, the last couple of weeks. And um, one of them was in Orlando as well with me earlier this week, Jess. And uh, I mean, every, everyone in healthcare, just thank you for everything you do. I could say the same thing about a lot of different jobs, but that one always hits me close to home. My mom sent a text a few weeks ago saying she was doing some, I haven't even talked to her. I, I want to ask her about it, but I know it'll take a while. <laughs> she sent me a text saying she was doing new training. My mom's been a nurse for the VA hospital system for 30 years, and she was doing some new training to help patients see computer doctors, whatever that, that was the text. Um, and so talk about a space ripe for innovation and disruption. The fact that my mom, a career nurse, she's been with the VA for 30 years. She's been a nurse even longer. She's still learning and digitizing and figuring out how, I don't know what computer doctor meant, if it was just an online intake or virtual visit or something. Um, but yeah, lots going on um, inside the VA and inside healthcare in general um, and needed people want to be able to work better and provide better patient care for sure. So Jess, I had the opportunity to listen to you and David's replay on my drive on Sunday from Bend, Oregon to Eugene, Oregon. Uh, some of you know those areas, some of you don't. Bend is an amazing city for those of you that have never been there. If you've never been there, I highly recommend it. Uh, Eugene's cool too. That's where my kid goes to school. But Bend is a really cool city. And I know you guys didn't do the one big thing or one thing on your mind. You no, know? yes. So you did the green, yellow, red, which is great, but you didn't yeah. do that one big thing. So since we haven't been together for a while, maybe you could, maybe it doesn't have to be one big thing this week, but one big thing for the last two or three weeks, um, you know, with all of the conferences and all of the travel and all the things that we've been doing, you know, something that you've seen um, you know, that you want to call out? Yeah, you know, we have been on the road uh, at conferences, conferences and different types of events and customer facing and just sort of out in the wild together. And so I guess I do have a, a little bit of an overall impression. Uh, and it came up several times over the last number of weeks, and in a few different ways. And that's really sort of the power of storytelling and and the need for inspiration. Obviously, when you're at an event, you're hearing a lot of speakers, some of them thought leaders, some of them practitioners who are getting their hands dirty. They're in the middle of transformation programs, trying to drive change in their organizations. Um, regardless of, of who it is and sort of the format, everybody's trying to tell stories about what they're trying to do. Uh, and at every single event I was at, Somebody approached me, in some cases it was a woman, in some cases it was a woman with her daughter. Every single event I've been at in the last few weeks, somebody approached me and said, I'd like my daughter, I'd like so-and-so to start following you because she's trying to 
find mentors uh, who are women in tech. I'm every event I've been at somebody because people see me on stage and so they kind of connect the dots and they come up to me after. And again, another moment for storytelling and for inspiration. It's clear to me we need like that's why this community exists. We need to help each other find moments and sparks and and things to build on because the stuff that we're all doing and we're all trying to do different things the stuff that we're all doing needs momentum it needs advocacy it needs it needs purpose it, we're we're all trying to explain our why because we're trying to get from here to there and so whatever that is whether it's becoming a better storyteller finding your own moments and sparks of inspiration curating your feed with people like David Green and other, like, like when, when I say, go follow them, go follow them, curate your feed, hone your, your environment so that you're getting that constant inspiration, not just by going to HR Tech or Unleash or Gartner. Um, find storytellers who can help you refine your own skills and find mentors, whether it's you're a, an early entrant into the career force and you're inspired by another woman in tech, whatever it is, find mentors and, and sort of, I don't, as I think about like wrapping up 2023 and heading into 2024, which is crazy. Um, that's, that's what I wish for everybody because we all kind of found that energy and I want you to keep that energy and you have to be intentional about doing that. You know what I think is really interesting about that, Jess, and this is not going to be my one because I have a one that I wanted to go into. And I, this isn't our 2023, 2024 New Year's resolution show by any means. Right. But um, the, I, I just want to add something to that. There's so many people that I ran into at the conferences where I was speaking this year that said something like, uh, wow, that was the best session I've ever seen. Or you're the most inspirational speaker I've ever seen. Or I really liked someone else's session better than yours. They didn't say it like that. But similar, like, like, I really loved so-and-so session. I really loved so-and-so session. I think it's really important that people find their people. Yes. Because the, the same person can't connect with you in the same way. So you could have five people talking about HR tech, or you could have five people talking about the world at work, or you could have five people talking about the world, and you might connect with one or two of them and not connect with one or two of them. Mm -hmm. Everyone uses different styles. Everyone uses different stories. Everyone uses different methods. There's not one or right. I hate when people say best like that because it's like, okay, cool. It was the best for you at the moment, but there's so many people that have so much to add, which is why I love this community because we all have a best as far as what that is and what we offer to make things better. So I love your story about storytelling. But I also want to make sure people find their person that they or people that they relate to yeah. um, that makes sense to them. Totally. And I'm like notorious for when I say curate your feed, I really mean curate your feed. Turn off noise that doesn't serve you, doesn't support you and find, seek out the things and people and and, you know, things that you can follow and read every morning or, you know, whether they're newsletters, I have favorite newsletters, I have people I follow, I give myself reading time every morning. Um, really, really be intentional about doing that because I, I see it. I see like all this energy and excitement we all build together when we're together at events and we're spoiled with content and thought leadership and, 
fantastic event production like Catherine puts on, like, like we get so spoiled and then we go home and the spark, you know, sort of fizzles a little bit. And it's really, it can be really challenging to keep that, that spark going, but that's why this community exists. And there's ways that you can carry that throughout the rest of your week, throughout the rest of the month. Um, don't wait for the next event, the next, you know, time we can all hug each other. We have to keep the momentum going in between. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's, that, that's so important. And, and the thing that I wanted to just call out after, um, you know, after truly been on an amazing, uh, like five, six, seven, eight week road show or road tour, I should say, which is starting again Monday. Um, interestingly, but, um, is just that there is a lot, there is a lot of stuff happening. Um, and the pace of change and the pace of what's being thrown at people is really, really fascinating right now. Uh, there's almost no leader, everyone's a leader, that I've talked to in the last six weeks that isn't overwhelmed. Mm. There isn't. There's no one that's like, oh, yeah, things are going great. I, I that's not the thing that people say. Mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, well I've got this going on, I've got this going on, I've got this going on, I've this going on. And as it's become acceptable to talk about your personal life combined with your work life, like I think it's just really important for everyone to realize that everyone has a lot going on, and that's not a bad thing. Uh, but what it means is it means that we have to have the muscle or build the muscle to think about how do we process, how do we deal with, how do we take the time for the things that matter at the moment, not that things don't matter, but matter at the moment, and how do we focus on getting stuff done, okay? Because there there are so many organizations that I've talked to that are like, we're having a really hard time getting things moving or having a really hard time getting traction or having a really hard time getting approval or having a really hard time doing X. Like hard time, hard time is in a lot of statements right now. Uh, and just my retrospection of it on a flight home the other night from Orlando was that everyone just has a lot of stuff going on and it really requires priority dedication. And a lot of times people don't know why we call it LeapGen, the name LeapGen. LeapGen stands for love, energy, audacity, and proof. And I, I think more than, I've always believed in it ever since Steve Farber, who's been a guest on here before, introduced me to the concept. And I think it's more important than ever right now to love what you do personally and professionally. And if you don't love what you do, you should find something that you love what you do and who you're doing it with that gives you energy to do the audacious and to prove value. So I think that we have an amazing playing field right now. But what I see is I see a lot of people not running plays mm. that actually result in the outcome that they're trying to achieve. And I haven't crystallized the thought completely as to why that is. I just think there's so much change happening so fast and there's so much blending of work and personal and then we're about to come into a holiday season almost everywhere around the world. That I think it's just really important that we prioritize and like take a moment to be like, okay, what do I want to accomplish in the next month? And set that goal, measure our success, because you'll be amazed at how good it feels 
to get something done actually really, really well. Yeah, and it sounds weird to, maybe this word is weird, but I think you prioritize, yes, and even compartmentalize a little bit. Jason, you talk about this all the time. What do you want to be good at? You know, what do you want to be great at? And what is it okay to be just okay at? Or what do you want to be good at versus great? Um, And that's definitely a prioritization exercise, but there's so much noise. It's so noisy, it almost feels chaotic. And you could, you know, attempt to boil the ocean and tackle everything. And it could feel like it's important to address everything, but you almost need to compartmentalize and protect the work that you're doing so that you don't lose focus. I think focus and I think running plays is a perfect analogy. Who's the competition and how does this game get won? What are the plays that are going to happen, you know, that need to happen? And who are the players that need to be on the field for that to happen in this particular instance? The next game is the next game with different competition and a different scenario and different weather conditions. Like everything needs to be thought of that way or it, it feels way too chaotic. Yeah, I think the, the last thing I'll just say that it's been I've been thinking about a lot is that that while it's important to have long-term strategy, and I kind of said this a few seconds ago, that getting something done actually feels really good. <laughs> like, try it. Uh, Jeff sent an email yesterday. Jeff sent an email yesterday that I could tell she was proud of. Oh, my God. That was such a relief to me to have it organized in my own head. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, weight off your shoulders, proud of right. it. Like, yeah. take, when you get something done, look in the mirror, take a second to feel how it feels and then think about how do we build that momentum? Because like I said, I, it's crazy to me how many people say we're having a hard time getting stuff done. We're having a hard time getting traction. And to me, it's just the little wins that build up to get some, to keep that remembering how that feels to get something done. Okay. That was my thing. Now today, for the rest of our time, what I want to talk about is this concept of what kind of just put a bow on all of this stuff, Jess, all of this hmm. HR tech, Unleash, uh, Gartner for me, you know, you were there in spirit, all of this stuff together over the last four to five weeks and kind of what it means to the re- for the rest of the year and where we're going into 2024. And I just want to start with something that I think is really, really important. And I'd love to get people's thoughts on this in the chat. I think. I should actually see if anyone can guess what I'm going to say, Um, but no, I'm not going to do that. I think that the concept of skills over credentials. Is real. Mm. And everlasting. I think we've reached an inflection point where people are valuing skills over credentials. And that's not, when I say that, it's not, please no one say, what about this? What about this? I have to have the certificate, blah, blah, blah. I get all that stuff, so please don't say it. But when we think about this concept, I think, and by the way, what I'm about to say has massive implications to education systems how we work in a world, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I get that too. 
but I think, <laughs> yes, yeah, Steve, there goes my PhD. But I think that we finally, we finally are to the point where what I've done, what and what I know is more important than what I did hmm. 10, 20, 30 years ago at a, from an education standpoint or even where I used to work. Which makes me wanna poke holes in Holly's comment. Is that true? There's no substitute for experience or did Jason just say there is a substitute for experience? I think I know what you're saying, Holly, but Jason, I'd love you to elaborate what this means if we're saying, what, what does that mean? How do we view talent through this new lens? And what does that allow for? Well, I think, in, so, so I think this concept of skills means that it, it, is, it gets us to a point of deconstructing what we've been thinking about as a traditional job. Where ever, you know, hey, I need this skill. What do I do? Hey, let's go with an FTE. Hey, I need this skill. You know, let's go ahead and open a rec. Right. Okay. Or I need this skill. Let's have, uh, based on, I know I need to recruit from this school. Or I need this skill. I know that I need to look outside the organization because I don't have it inside the organization. Even I have no way to track skills inside the organization. I think that the granular nature of what makes everyone unique, strengths in, and skills, by the way, Brad, strengths and skills are something that we're, we're now going to be the measures. By the way, this is all moving towards human capital measurement and putting a value on a company based on the strengths and skills of its people instead of just on financials. And I realize that's way out there, so no, we don't have to do it quite yet. but the concept i i it's too it it's too sticky now <laughs> it's too sticky and there's too many people talking about it and it's too far now into the thought of what everyone's doing to actually not have it stick okay and like i mean i hate to say this i've done way too much thinking about this in the last six weeks because it was every vendor i've talked to it was every customer i've talked to it was every, every analyst i've talked to is finally saying this in unison. Now, what do people do about it? Is the what the what the play is and how to actually turn it into action is still being defined as we speak. But you know, if I could say 2020 was a year where you know we all had to readjust because of COVID and two pandemics, like you've heard me say, public health as well as social justice. I truly think 2024 and 2025 are going to be the year that we change how skills are valued in organizations and how we start to hire for skills instead of simply credentials. One of the reasons this is such a whirly topic is what Dorothy just said. Dorothy, you probably have a better memory than I do. I introduced the speaker at Unleash World who said what you just quoted that the other pro the problem the the good thing and the bad thing about skills is that they're so dynamic and evolving and and ever changing uh, and it is true hard skills have a lifespan of two and a half years so you have to skills is a is a big 
topic. Bryce said earlier, we still have a crude understanding of how to even think about and define skills, but one easy way to think about them is hard skills and soft skills. Um, and as Dorothy said, hard skills, what we still will lean toward, you know, verifying and validating and capturing um, are good. As soon as we get a good way to keep inventory of them, it's, it's, it's going to be out of just like knowledge management in an organization. Skills capture and management is going to be as hard to keep track of because it changes so fast and we're not going to create the kind of infrastructure. Well, we can. It will take a while to create the kind of infrastructure that will allow us to keep up to speed with that. And, and just the thing that I want to make sure I hit on, because I put it in the chat just now, but I didn't say it. And I, I meant to not start the way I started and then I started that way. I don't I, I think that what makes this work is if people don't do skills to do skills. It's real. It, the worst thing that HR can do is say, hey, we're going to start the skills thing. The best thing that HR can do is say, we are going to acknowledge the fact that credentials die too fast based on how fast the world changes and that skills change too fast based on how the world is changing. Like we need to take a moment, not a, not a day, but a moment to acknowledge that to the business so that the business buys in to that. Because I saw someone put in the chat and I'm sorry, the chat going too fast and Jess knows that my brain's not working well today on technology. But um, I just want to, sorry, now I can just make fun of our guests. Don't you like when our guests say, I can't keep up with the chat? That's how I felt like the minute I just said that. I'm like, oh my God, I, I get the fact they don't do it all the time. But <laughs> now I have to find who said it because now I just complete. The person that said we don't invest in training, I think it was Dorothy. Mm. I, I think one of the things that's important about that statement, Dorothy, and that's what triggered in my head, is that people don't invest in training because they don't start with the concept that I just said in mind, that the credentials die or are dying. Not the, not the credential itself, but what I learned. And then the skills that I need are changing so fast. I mean, and Brad, you keep talking about power skills. There is a common core, and I totally get that. And those, that's going to be really, really important going forward. But these other areas around growth and what's needed to, to stay current with what's going on can't be measured based on a degree. The degree can measure the fact that I completed something maybe, but these, the skills can't be measured that way. The skills have to be measured in a different way. And, and to be honest with you, what that way is, is going to be up for us all to, to think through. Uh, taking the time to set a skill strategy for an organization can prevent any real progress being made in the adoption of skills. Mm. Dominic, it's a brilliant statement. You know, just the other thing I just have to say, just because my brain's all over the place today, when you listen to these podcasts and you don't actually say what you're, what's chat. happening in the audience, right? Uh, people are like, why did you just read that? Dominic said... One of our audience members, taking time to set a skill strategy for an organization can prevent any real progress. And Dominic, that's why we start small. I mean, first, we have to acknowledge the problem. We have to acknowledge the change. We have to get everyone to agree to that, which, by the way, they will. There's no one that doesn't. If they don't, that's a whole different problem. But we, from that point, 
then start to say, how can I start small and prove it? That's the L-E-A-P. That's the P in leap is proof. The minute they start to see you can prove that small, then you can start to big, think big. But if you start, if you think big, by the time you actually do something, you're going to lose the followers. Yeah, Aman. So I keep thinking when we we talk about skills, uh, one of the cheeky things I said once upon a time that sounded really good <laughs> was that you can't connect the dots until you collect the dots. That's that's the whole skills conversation. You have to take, you have to collect, you have to take inventory, you have to create a common set of definitions or ontology. But then the trickier part is activating them for the business, which is kind of what Aman just said imperative to understand the broader organizational goal and then align the right people capability plan. So we're going to spend so much time creating the skills structure that it, it literally could be an exercise in futility if we don't remember or think about the ways that it needs to be activated for business. So what if you know that I'm good at this or I have this soft skill or this core power skill, business skill, um, if you're not, if you don't have the kind of workforce structure and workforce agility um, to actually pull me into a project at the time of need and put me in the position to write, to add the right value and contribution at the moment of need, it's all for nothing. It's literally all for nothing. I, I've been saying recently, it, there's infrastructure and then there's culture. All of this transformational stuff we're going through has to be a cultural mindset shift first, and then it has to be an infrastructural um, endeavor to make sure that we can actually activate the changes that we're trying to make. Um, and I think that's going to be very, very true of, of skills. We can have a, a knowledge management heyday over all of this, and we can throw technology at the problem all day long. But if the business isn't actually ready to utilize talent in that kind of way, then then what is it for? Megan, uh, you're making an amazing contribution in your first meeting. Uh, it's one of those oh shit moments for me, but you just did a great job. I think this is part of the reason hiring is broken. Amazing people being weeded out by keyword deficiencies. Um, I mean, like I need to mute Jess because she could spend the next 24 minutes on this topic. Yes. Um, uh, but Megan, that is the concept that like that's the, one of the keys to this whole puzzle and why this why this has to be. And I, I'm going to say something and please no one get offended. But I'm going to say it. the concept of HR transformation in 2024 is not about how do I answer employee inquiries better. That might be part of HR transformation. But what we're talking about right here is the biggest part of HR transformation, the most important part of HR transformation, which is how do I change recruiting to focus on skills? How do I focus on learning to not just be stuff that people pull, but I'm actually doing it in the flow of how people actually need to learn and want to learn and will learn? That's HR transformation also. So we've got this old school mentality of HR transformation, which drives me crazy, which is like, hey, how can we get rid of HR people? If we do HR transformation, we can get rid of HR people. If we do HR transformation, we, sorry, can you tell I'm passionate about this? We can all of a sudden, you know, cut costs. Like, cool. 
Cool. For whatever reason. Cool. But that's not what HR transformation is. We used to call this talent management, which failed miserably because all I did is took a bunch of processes, threw them out there and hope people did them. So in 2024, the HR transformation is not about just how can I answer someone's question faster? It's about how can I future-proof the organization going forward? Sorry, that was a big soapbox that Megan started, but that's like, if, so it, like there are people right now, like I guarantee this, there are people right now who are saying, guess what? We're going to put generative AI into our existing talent acquisition function and somehow think that it's going to change talent acquisition. All it's going to make someone do is something bad faster. <laughs> That's literally what I say about job descriptions 10 times a day. Oh, my God. Like, and I totally get it. if you're a solution provider who just put Gen AI on top of a job description generator. Fine. That's totally fine. You're you're making something more efficient and maybe higher quality. But if you would look out like two or three or, you know, not even that many steps ahead, you'd realize that job descriptions need to be rethought all together. They don't need to be written faster or have, you know, like it, which is what you just said, Jason, are we actually thinking about the future of work and how to write job, how to create the kind of job profiles or better yet skills profiles that will attract the right talent to the organization, not to a single wreck at a moment in time, that's transformation. That's not a transaction made more efficient by Gen AI. That's true transformation thinking. Yeah. And, and the other thing I'll just add on to that, Jess, is that like the other thing that I heard way too much, what you just said got me thinking about the other thing that I wanted to say, which you usually do um, get me thinking that way is that there are so many people, there are, are so many people that are waiting for vendors to answer this question. Mm. Like, guess what? If a vendor, when a vendor does this, then we'll do it. When a vendor does this, we will do it. That's not the right approach. Um, I, don't, I don't know how to say that in an easy kind of way. Um, it, it, we, we as leaders need to design what it is that we want to do, how we want to change, how we want the function to work, how we think that the organizational, how it ties to our organizational strategy. And then we think about what vendor tools are we going to need? But there are so many people, I'm not going to call them sheep, Steve, <laughs> you did uh, in the chat. Um, there's so many people that were walking around these conferences saying, oh, that like, oh, I see this vendor doing this. Maybe we should do it this way. But, oh, I see the vendors showing this. Maybe we should do it this way. I get that's where ideas come from, and that's good. But overall, and this goes back to what's something that, I mean, I've hung my whole career on. We have to own our strategy. Mm -hmm. We own our strategy. Success factors, Oracle, Workday, Eightfold, Beamery. UKG, forget it. If I didn't mention your name, that doesn't mean I don't like you. Uh, they they don't own your strategy. They enable your strategy. But if you just buy the tool and think that somehow, somehow, that's going to like make you a skills-based organization, please, please don't waste your money. Or if you do, I'll give you my kids Venmo. Send your money there. Um, you know, 
or send your money to give your money to charity. Because I guarantee what I've seen, like, please trust <laughs> what I've seen and what I heard last week at Gartner was I probably talked to 10 companies that put in place talent marketplaces. 10. There must have been 10. And like, odd, that was this week. Sorry, not last week. This week. <laughs> and like, they all said it's not successful. And then they all blame the vendor. And it has nothing to do, like, it literally has nothing to do with the vendor. It literally has nothing to do with the vendor. It has to do with the fact that their managers and leaders aren't bought into this, what they're trying to do from a talent strategy. Yeah, right. The next thing someone says is, hey, guess what? Maybe we should do better change management. Yeah, change management is not quick reference guides. Change management or changefulness is changing the mindset of an organization to all of a sudden think this. So I'm sorry that I got onto a soapbox there, Jess. Um, but those were the two things that the two things I wanted to talk about. Like for that were my big two things. I got I took two because I wasn't here last week. The first was that I think that this era of skills and credentials is finally upon us. This debate is finally not just a fictional debate, but it's a real debate. And I think it's going to change HR and the core of education. The educate, excuse me, it's going to change education at its core. The second thing is that technology doesn't solve problems by itself. Technology enables your strategy. Your strategy should be designed to optimize a business, which probably is solving a problem. I hope those two make sense. Those were the two things I wanted to just throw out. I mean, that's why, and I, I think I might do this moving forward. I'm just going to make sure I do this more consistently, share examples of good storytelling that we can learn from. I shared a LinkedIn poster. Hey, I, I have a question. Yeah. Can you, like, if I, get, if I show you something, can you tell a story about it? <laughs> I don't know. Is this a stupid human trick? <laughs> no, I'm just, like, you talk so much about storytelling. Like, yeah. If I show you something, can you tell a story about it? Sure. We'll go okay. for it. Tell a story about this. Potbelly, they make the best oatmeal chocolate chip cookie, which is really hard to find because we get fooled by raisins a lot. Potbelly actually makes an oatmeal chocolate chip cookie that is so, so good. And every time I flew through Midway back in the day when I was going to Chicago a lot, I always made sure to walk by Potbelly and get an oatmeal chocolate chip cookie because they're so, so good. Now, I just want everyone to think about that for a second. Think about what she just did and how amazing that sounds compared to what I just showed. <laughs> you, triggered, dumb, you triggered something. Yeah, which was a dumb cup, <laughs> right? This is a dumb cup. Uh, but think about how much better she made that sound. Here, tell, <laughs> here, tell a story about this. Oh my God. I don't know if she's on today. Has she said hello to us today? One of our amazing community members came to our event in Minneapolis and brought a gift for Jason. She didn't know I was going to be there and felt horrible she didn't bring a gift for me, uh, which was silly of her. And she brought Jason a gift because he's always talking about tattooing the digital equation for success on your body if you don't have it internalized and memorized. And so she brought you those. Yes. Uh, 
Yeah. You think that's why she did that? Yeah. No. She did that because I was jealous of your tattoos. <laughs> she didn't do that because of any freaking digital equation for success. She did that because you're walking around without sleeves all the time, throwing <laughs> off all your ink. <laughs> well, then it's even better. <laughs> See, I was trying to give you credit for your own digital equation tattoo story. My point of this story is, and the point of going here with this whole discussion, tying back to what we were talking about, is I actually don't think we have the skills story down. Hmm. I actually think we've got a thing called skills. I think we've got a bunch of random solutions all over the place. But I don't think we, as a function, have the story down as to why skills, Yeah. why now? And I'm going back to what something Dominic said, you know, we're at this point where we're over-engineering. I think we over-engineer because we don't actually have a, the story yet. We just start trying to do tactics and things Not like that. Why skills, but why skills for your organization? That oh, yeah, story yeah, of course, even more specific. You. It could be, we understand where our company is going and what kind of talent will be required to help us achieve those goals. And we also know that that talent, either, either we know that talent doesn't exist in the organization or we, know, or we don't know what we have in the organization. And we believe skills is the best lever to pull to get you know, yin and yang um, to, to work together. I mean, you have, you have to be able to articulate that story for your organization and you have to arrive at skills. It's sort of the, the Burson thing, obsess over the problem, right? You have to clearly understand the problem for your organization and you have to naturally arrive at skills as the most viable solution for you. That becomes the story. Skills gets to be the hero in that story, but you have to have the you know, sort of the, the path to that. Jess, you know how the, one of the fears of people is that generative AI is going to all of a sudden run away with stuff? Well, we've been talking about tattoos. Our audience has run away with a discussion here on its own that we have to get back to. Skills so, versus competencies? No. Well, Dorothy started a statement. This was after uh, Bob said, good sandwiches, very good cookies. Thanks <laughs> for adding your story, even though I have to say your story sucks, Bob, compared to the way that Jess told the story. Um, <laughs> Don't be fooled by raisins. <laughs> but Dorothy, can you imagine the fallout if orgs say they are not getting to factor in degrees, MBAs, et cetera? Like I'm dying to bring on Dorothy to actually understand what that mm -hmm. means. Um, but I think I know what it means. I think she means the fallout when all of a sudden universities and people that offer education, the way they offer education today, all of a sudden goes out of business. Let's see. Oh, she wrote Mercedes for sure, but that's why it will take time if it means pulling big universities out of business. Yeah. So Dorothy, I please, uh, I didn't say that this was going to be a like this wasn't going to happen. This was going to happen overnight. But Dorothy, I do think that. You know, the combination of organizations now hiring different and looking at skills different combined with if you look at the data. Dorothy, I'm only going to look at U.S. data because that's all I know at the moment. Um, now I'm curious. 
But if you look at U.S. data, enrollment in universities is down massively. Freshman enrollment is down massively year, which, by the way, was a hard thing to send my kid to school as a freshman. But freshman enrollment is down massively year over year over year. Uh, and why is that? Because of what we're having this conversation about. So, um, I, Dorothy, I, it is going to be a, a, a wake up call. Um, <laughs> Diane, because they can't describe what skills they even give people. Yes, Megan, cost, of course, is an issue also, as Megan just said. Uh, cost is an issue, but I think, Megan, I would, the way I would say that different is cost to value is an issue versus just cost. So I think cost is, of course, an issue because people can't afford it. But at the same time, I think people are questioning more than ever, is it valuable? And do I come out 250000 or $200,000 or $100,000 in debt? $50,000 in debt, whatever. Um, isn't it all about debt? <laughs> yes, Dorothy. Um, Mercedes also said universities can adapt and use metaverse or whatever to scale their offering to a more scalable global audience. Mercedes, I completely agree with you. For those of you that have never been onto the edX platform, I highly recommend you go take a look at it. Uh, and by the way, there are other platforms like this. Um, so I'm not, I'm not, please no one say I'm vouching for a specific uh, education platform, but that platform and what's offered on it is amazing to me when it comes to online courses from universities that you get certificates for to complete. Um, so I think that there's, I think there's so, that's not the only one, I completely get that. But I think there's so much of that going on that we're going to continue to see that change. And we're watching universities have to evolve in order to do that type of stuff. Ben wants to know how to spell edX. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I, I'm, uh, I lost you guys. I'm putting it in the chat. edX.org. And just go to that page I went to if you wanted to see an example. Uh, edX.org is basically that page I, I highlighted, not just is a list of the courses, but the page that I put in there specifically actually shows you the list of the schools that are there. Um, the other thing that I just think is fascinating about this is for us all to learn from is that if you actually look at on the edX site, not their courses, but their pro their pathways, they're called. Um, like I highly encourage you to take a look at their pathways and how they work. Um, even if you're in an organization and you're thinking about it, I just put another link to that, which is the pathways, or and, and to think about that. So I, I want to get back to the other topic, Jess, uh, around skills. But like a place to get skills quick. Like I'm currently, some of you know, some of you don't know, I'm currently taking a generative AI class from Stanford course, which is an online course with a professor um, on advanced generative AI. Why? Because I need it to keep up with what's going on in the world. Um, you know, it's free. I love it. Uh, it stretches my brain, but not everyone does that on their own. Uh, and I think one of the reasons why is because we don't actually know what skills are needed by job and what skills are going to be needed going forward. So people don't know how to act on these things. Bob, I love your comment. I haven't read that study, the BCG study on the impact of Gen AI. Uh, I'll find it and I will read it. I did read an article earlier this week on uh, people whose 
who, who, whose own core business skill is writing. Imagine if you put out research, if you're a professional content producer, if you're in academia, if writing is a core business skill in your current profession, what's the impact of Gen AI? And the article made a really good point that Gen AI only helps writers if you're already a strong writer. Um, if you're not a strong writer, it's not going to do this brilliant job of producing brilliant content for you. In fact, you're probably at higher risk of producing garbage. Um, but if you're a strong writer, a tool, again, it's a tool, it's not a writer. Gen AI is a tool that writers could use to create structure and to organize and format and give me a better starting point so that I can do the things that make me a strong writer, like editing and research and validation and um, making sure that full, you know, fully formed thoughts are strung out in the right order and I get to the right conclusion that I intended, not that a bunch of data points um, happen to spew at me hoping it was right. Um, and so I'll, I'll be happy to read that study and see if lower performing talent is getting boosted, maybe, but I think high performing talent with already core and native skills can really benefit from tools like this that will make me more productive and more efficient. That's how I use it anyway. It's not to produce content I don't already know and understand myself. It's to give me a draft and a format to work within so that I can get started faster or so that I can finish it to the way that it needs to be finished um, a, a little bit more efficiently. Jess, what do you think has to change the, really quickly in recruiting to, do you think this has to start at recruiting? Uh, Cause I wanna, I, I just really quickly wanna put a, like a wrapper on this topic now that I brought it up. Like, where does this start? Um, yeah, it definitely has to start. I mean, the HR function itself needs to think about how it's organized. I. I asked a question in one of my one of the sessions I moderated at Unleash in Paris last week happened to be focused on talent acquisition. And I said, how many of you're in the room? I assume that you're, you know, this is your job. This is your role. How many of you are in talent acquisition versus general HR or another type of role? Um, and most of the TA people in the room, I, I sort of asked, begged the question, how close do you feel to HR, to your HR counterparts, to HR strategy, or is that sort of a, a distant cousin? Um, and I think that's still the case, unfortunately. I grew up in the talent acquisition um, family of things, uh, and you you did not feel connect. You felt connected to the business in that you were sort of the front line, you know, sort of the front line salesperson in terms of connecting people to the company for opportunities. But in terms of HR strategy and talent management, as you said, there was zero connection. You, you completely lost line of sight to what was happening with talent after you got them in the door, which is the biggest mistake we make. We screw up the biggest ROI moments for business when we create these silos for the talent experience and, and, the, and talent journeys. Um, and so I think we just have to rethink rethink everything from an organizational and infrastructure standpoint so that we we can curate and follow intelligent talent journeys all the way from attraction through hire through retention and development and which again skills is a great thread for us to pull to help us do that 
completely agree. Thank you for uh, stating that. It's definitely going to be an ongoing discussion that we need to keep having. Um, really quickly, the last thing that I just wanted to go to talk about is that is this area of how do we keep learning about generative AI? Because it is that's the thing. Other thing I took away from the conference is that there's a lot of confusion about AI versus generative AI and things like that. One of the things that Jess, I was thinking about, and you know, typically we plan these things way in advance, is that as part of our community, we actually talk about some of these tools. But the tools that I want to talk about with this group are not tools necessarily tied to HR, but tools tied to life. Mm -hmm. um, so there are amazing mental health tools on in the market and coming onto the market tied to generative AI. There are amazing tools around things like weight loss and exercise coming into the market around generative AI or just monitoring health in general. And one of the things I want to make sure that we do is continue to bring those skills to this community. So I'd love just as part of what we do, you know, we talk about one thing, you know, let's talk about one tool. And I'd love if everyone would think about that and bring those to the table. Something you see during the week in a spot that's in a space that's changing so fast, jot it down, just put it on a post-it note or where, however you do things, sorry for the old school paper, um, jot it down somewhere and bring it to the community and just share it. Because there's no possible way that one person can keep up with all of the stuff going on in the space today. And with a community of 3,395 people, we might as well learn together um, as part of this. I was thinking about this the other day as I was sitting in one of these classes, like there, the, the number of tools being developed using this technology is not going to go down. It's only going to keep going up because it's so easy to start. It's so easy to do. And there's so much value to a specific use case. Like I guarantee there will be a therapy tool for someone that has too many arm tattoos. <laughs> I didn't say too many, excuse me. That's thinking about getting arm tattoos, but scared about it or whatever the purpose is. Um, people are gonna develop those things. And I wanna make sure that we can share them as part of this community. So Jess, I hope you like that idea, but I think we all I need to that idea. keep learning these things going forward. Ink therapy, thank you, Brad. There'll be a tool that does a full body scan, assesses your personality, takes into you know a bunch of inputs and recommends designs you might like. How about that? <laughs> exactly. Not techie, but truly that solve problems. Yeah. Okay. Jess, great talking to you. Good session. I think next week I'm either going to be in, in next Friday, I'm either going to be in Munich or Barcelona. Uh, joining you. <laughs> Amazing. I don't know which one yet. Um, one of those two. But I'm for sure joining. Uh, it's just going to be later in the day. Um, and uh, you're going to love our guest uh, next week. All of you, not just Jason. That's your look up Dr. Kirsten Ferguson. If you want a sneak peek, uh, I cannot wait for you to meet her. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun. Awesome. Guys, have a great weekend. Gals, have a great weekend. Those of you in Minnesota, stay warm because it's supposed to snow tomorrow <sighs> at my kids' football game. Uh, hope you guys have a great weekend and uh, talk to you next week. And for those of you that were new, welcome. And please come back. Take care, everyone. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye.